Welcome to TikTok Radio. I'm your host, Victoria Jameson. I'm a verified TikTok creator and professional makeup artist based in Dallas, Texas. After gaining over 800,000 TikTok followers in just six months, I became obsessed with helping aspiring creators and entrepreneurs unlock their full potential on the fastest growing app in the world. If you're looking to find your niche, increase your income, and build your influence with short form video content, then you are in the right place. My goal for this podcast is to inspire and empower you with actionable tips and insight from top TikTok creators so that you can master the For You page and build your brand on TikTok and beyond. There's no better time to start than right now. Let's dive into this week's episode of TikTok Radio. What's up, guys? Welcome back to TikTok Radio. It's me, your host, at Victoria from TikTok, and I'm so excited to be back with you guys this week. I got a lot of feedback from you guys about the question I posed, and I guess it wasn't last week. It was two weeks ago because last week was Christmas, and I was wondering if you guys want to hear full interviews or if you guys like part one, part two style interviews. It's just easier sometimes because sometimes the interviews get a little bit long because we get to a talking, but um, a lot of you said that you would rather have the interviews all in one episode, which I am totally fine with. I am like a serial podcast listener. So I'm always listening to something, whether it's, you know, brand building or business building podcast or more, you know, conversational fun podcasts. I like to have something in the background whenever I'm working. Um, so if you like to have longer podcasts because you're listening to them while you're doing something else anyway, then hopefully you will like this format. Let me know. Give me some feedback if you guys like having the full episode or the full interview in an episode um, or if you think I should go back to the part one and part two. So I'm open. I'm flexible. Whatever you guys want, this is for y'all, and I want it to be easily accessible for you. I kind of like it being all in one episode, though, because then you don't have to wait for part two, and um, you can get all the information in one sitting, and you don't forget things between listening. But it's great for binge listening because you can just listen to them back to back if you're watching this or listening to this after the fact, which a lot of you guys are. I've heard heard so many of you say you just like listen to all of them in like a week, which I love to hear. But um, I also want to keep in mind the listeners that tune in every week for new content. So we'll see how it goes. Trying to keep this short and sweet at the beginning here. Really quick shout out to our producer level Patreons. We have at Matt, who is a comedy creator from Dallas, Texas. Make sure you guys go check out his content. And if you want to be a producer level Patreon supporter, I can't say it right. Patron, if you want to be a producer, I can't. If you want to be a producer level patron on Patreon, make sure you go to patreon.com slash TikTok coaching and you'll get a shout out in every episode and in the show notes. Today's guest, I owe a huge apology to for not getting this interview out. Just like I've said the last few weeks, I took a little bit of a break because I was dealing with burnout as a creator. So this week we're hearing from Kathy Pedres. Hopefully I'm saying that right. But Kathy is a TikTok content creator who got on the app in the spring. And since this interview, you guys, she has literally blown up for her kind of mom friend character that she mentions in this interview, which you guys will have to go check out her profile. She's really niche down and has totally killed it. So just to make you guys aware, some of the things she's talking about, she ended up kind of um, finding her path 
through experimenting basically and she talks about this mom character so it's interesting because you guys are getting to see this character that has really blown her up on TikTok from the very beginning like before this was her established niche so I want you guys to listen to it through that lens that you're really seeing the beginning of her creator journey and I want to have Kathy on again to talk about what's changed since this first interview I had with her um her content is so great it's very valuable shareable I think you guys are really going to like hearing her insight. Kathy was a QVC host for a long time. So a lot of you, if you've ever watched QVC, might have seen her before. And she definitely brings that energy and personality to her content. But before we get into the interview with Kathy, I just wanted to update you guys on a few things going on with the app. You guys might have seen some of the articles like released by The Verge that the Trump administration is appealing the TikTok ruling. So the drama is not over yet. If you guys remember that the U.S. District Judge Carl Nichols, he issued an order that blocked the Commerce Department's restrictions on TikTok. And that was on December 7th. And the app was supposed to be shut down, I think, right before that or right after that. I honestly, I can't even keep up with it all anymore. But basically, the Trump administration during these last few weeks in office is trying to get it pushed through. We have no indication on how the Biden administration is going to handle this. But based on statements that Biden has made about the app, I believe I'm literally citing this from memory. So I could be wrong. But I think what my husband told me is that Biden's stance is somewhat the same. So I don't know if we're going to see any big change there. Uh, But hopefully they'll get it worked out. Some people are speculating that the reason kind of TikTok's a little wonky right now. I mean, TikTok's always a little wonky. Um, views are never going to be consistent just because of the nature of the app. But people are speculating that they're testing out new algorithms because ByteDance probably will not sell the algorithm. And that's one of my biggest fears, honestly, is if this whole acquisition and uh, creation of TikTok Global in the U.S. goes through is that it would be different than it is now. And obviously things are going to be different because stakeholders are going to be different in the business. But I do not want to see the visibility for small creators that TikTok is known for go anywhere. So that's one thing that makes me a little bit nervous. Um, And people are speculating on that. I've seen several uh, kind of social media strategists speaking on it. And let me know if you guys have noticed any big shifts in the last couple of weeks from your videos or content. Um, I personally, you know, always say that views are a roller coaster and things are always going to change. So Typically, we see that anyway, so I'm not quite sure if that's the reason, but uh, I'd be interested to hear your experience. So we'll see how that plays out. More drama, another day, another do- another drama, another story. Um, also, this one's a good little announcement that I saw on Business Insider. TikTok is rolling out a um, app on Samsung TV devices, on the Samsung smart TVs. You know how they have like the apps where you can uh, stream YouTube and stream Hulu or whatever. It's built into your smart TV. They are testing that out in Europe right now. So basically this move kind of echoes what YouTube did in being able to increase viewership by making the platform more accessible on these other devices. To me, it seems a little bit counterintuitive because TikTok is a 16 by 9 aspect ratio. So it's like portrait ratio. While YouTube, everything is typically um, landscape. So 9 by 16. 
it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And I've mentioned in a former episode, but more people are talking about how the up to three minute videos are also launching for select users. So the two might be related. YouTube might be a little bit um, threatened by this. And we all know YouTube Shorts is rolling out soon. Uh, You can get anything on Shorts already by just using hashtag Shorts in the title, making sure it's under 90 seconds. But uh, it's all happening so fast. And all these platforms are kind of jumping on the short form video opportunity, but it seems like TikTok's going the opposite way and making things longer to try to capitalize on what IGTV and YouTube are doing. It's interesting that IGTV hasn't launched a separate platform. I honestly feel like there's way too much on Instagram. It's way overwhelming, um, but maybe they will. Let's. I, I assumed that IGTV when it launched was going to be a separate app, uh, but also now Instagram has threads, which if you guys have seen those scrolling captions that people put on that kind of um, blink out, it, it like bleeps out cuss words, which is kind of funny. And that's why people have been talking about it. But it's a way to add auto captions that's free. It's not ideal because you can only film in 15 second chunks and you can't um, save even if you upload like a one minute video and do the transcription, you can't download it as a one minute video and it doesn't let you download it in increments. So you have to like cut it up into 15 second chunks and then upload it. Super annoying. But um, that's a feature that Instagram also has and that's a separate app. So I'm surprised IGTV never jumped on this. So we'll see how this plays out. They're testing it in the UK. It rolled out on Monday, this past Monday, and um, we'll see how it goes. But I do think it's weird that TVs are, you know, of course, landscape and they're promoting a 16 by 9 or sorry yeah 16 by 9 I was right numbers are hard a 16 by 9 ratio content on there so does that mean TikTok is going to promote landscape content for this purpose like does that mean that you need to upload landscape portrait landscape portrait I can't even talk you guys does that mean we're gonna have to upload landscape content for these three minute videos because they'll typically be viewed on a streaming device like a television I don't know. We'll see what happens. Things are evolving. Also, totally unrelated side note, but if you guys are on Clubhouse, please add me. My username is just Victoria Jameson, just like my name on all my social medias except TikTok where it's at Victoria. Uh, I would love to connect with you guys on there. I have been having so much fun the past few days connecting with TikTok creators, and I really want to make a like group on there for creators specifically because there's a lot of people in the marketing space and the tech space on, on the app. And while I love talking about marketing, I want a place to talk creativity and talk creativity creation, not necessarily branding and marketing. Like I get to talk about that on this podcast. So I'm looking for a place where I can connect with a community of creators and we can talk about what's going on and what's working for us, what's not working for us. I want to start hosting on there. So if you're on Clubhouse, connect with me. I love it. Right now it's invite only, but you can sign up for the wait list and I don't have any free invites. I gave my only invite to my husband. I'm morally obligated to do that by my marriage license. So let me know if you guys are on there and I want to connect with you. So make sure you add me and I will follow you back. And without further ado, let's jump into this week's interview with Kathy. Today, I have a special guest with us. Everyone give a warm welcome to my friend, Kathy. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Of course. I'm glad we could get together to do this. Yeah, absolutely. I've been listening to your, I feel like you're like the only podcast for TikTok related trends and content. And so I've been listening for a while and it's cool to be a part of it. Yay. I love that. So Kathy, we did like a coaching call. What was that? Like a couple months ago. And I feel like your account has grown so much since then. 
Well, that's exactly what happened. I was reaching out to you trying to figure out what kind of content I should be posting. And then I suddenly had things start blowing up and get picked up by press. So I was like, okay, I guess this kind of answers my question. And it's been going really well. Yay. I love hearing that. Okay. So tell our listeners a little bit about you and the type of content you create for TikTok. So my content is basically everyday kind of life skills. I include some things like first aid tips, but a majority of it is communication skills that are rooted in either psychological or philosophical kinds of studies. And that just comes from my background from two places. One, I used to be a scientist. So the way I think is like very techie and like data and like I want proof, right? So I, that definitely goes into how I plan my content. But then I was a scientist who became a television host and went from like the shy kid in the classroom to being on national TV. And so I thought of like, what was my process to learning how to, you know, build that confidence and how to just kind of stop caring about (laughs) what kind of judgment I might face. And that's what I started putting out there on TikTok. And it was really well received because I got to say, I was like really shy to post some stuff in the beginning. And then the community has just been so welcoming that it's been great. Yeah. And if you guys check out Kathy's content, I feel like it's a really good example of you don't have to be like a 16 year old dancing in a crop top to get followers. <laughs> because I've talked about on this podcast so many times that education is the number one thing TikTok's pushing. And it makes sense because it's valuable content and it's shareable content and it's rewatchable content. So I feel like what you're doing right now is totally in line with like what TikTok is wanting to see. It's true. And I had heard about them making that, I think, $50 million investment a couple months ago into creating these kinds of educational or funding educational creators. And so that's why that was part of the reason behind me starting to push that content out more because I was like, well, if they're investing in it, their algorithm might invest in it too, right? And I actually just yesterday they reached out to me saying like, we'd like you to be a part of this platform. Now, you never know sometimes with these messages, like, is it real? Is it not real? But I mean, it checks out, it's their verified account and all this stuff. So I mean, it seems like they are leaning into educational content in some way. Yay, that's awesome. I always love hearing that. So how did you get started on TikTok? Because obviously, I mean, neither one of us are in the age target demographic of TikTok. So what got you (laughs) launched into the platform? I don't know what you mean. I am 11. No. (laughs) So honestly, I joined when it was musically, I want to say like 2017, around then. I have a 15-year-old sister and a 10-year-old niece. So my sister, who's 15, she was really into it when it was musically. And I had started using it a little bit at that time for the cable network that I used to work for. And they didn't want me using it because of concerns over the music rights and things like that. So I just stopped using it at that point. But that's how I was introduced to it. And I didn't love it when it was musically because it was so focused on like the karaoke, singing, dance, whatever. Like I liked watching it, but I was like, everyone's 11. I'm not going to post, you know? (laughs) So then when my niece, who's 10, like earlier this year, she was doing these TikTok dances like all the time. And I was like, wait, is that still a thing? (laughs) So then I went back to it and I was like, oh, and I realized that, you know, it had really changed a lot since it became TikTok. And I had kind of like written it off because I thought it was the same platform as what I used to consume in 2017. Right. So many people felt like that too. Right. And so it was really 10 year olds telling me (laughs) you need to be on TikTok. And then obviously the algorithm knows that I'm not 10. So it started targeting me with other content. 
And that's how I realized like, okay, well, it's not just about dancing and there's fun facts and there's, you know, construction tours. And it's interesting because I get very little celebrity and dancing content to begin with. I get a lot of comedy skits and a lot of just like relatable kind of content. And then a lot of educational stuff too, like the psychology hats. But it's interesting the way their algorithm like picks what you it's get. It's so you get intelligent. To see. I'm obsessed. Like people would, say, like, oh, I got on TikTok and it was just a bunch of videos I didn't like, and I'm like, you have to train it. And it, when you do train it, then you're just gonna get stuff that's so specific. Okay, so <laughs> let's talk a little bit about what your career was like before TikTok. So you were a QVC host, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I used to work for. QVC, you know, just selling product. I like shopping a lot, but I never really post about it because, you know, I don't consider myself an expert. I'm just a shopper. And so that's basically what I did at QVC. I got the job just because I was a shopper and I applied out of 10,000 people had applied. I had zero television experience, absolutely zero. I didn't study news. I was, like I said, a scientist and an environmental scientist at that, but I just went into the audition and I did take a little like one-on-one coaching couple sessions to help prepare me for how to speak to a panel of people and how to nail that audition. And that's where a lot of my content comes from is that kind of experience that I've had going from somebody who had no experience to them being on national television. But then since then, so I was there for a couple of years. I actually really specialized in food there. But again, my account is (laughs) not, I do have a food account, but like you, I don't post a ton to it. It's hard to make two different types of content. For the same it's platform. really hard. And food in particular, especially because I worked in television and I worked on food shows, I have such a specific, you know, I think sometimes you need it, you want it to be too perfect. And yes. so what happens oh is gosh. you, yeah, with my regular account, when it's just my face, there's nothing I can do. Like this is my face. There's, I can't add anything to it. I can change the lighting. That's it. But when it's food, it's like, well, is the burger glistening? And, you know, I'm, it becomes styling, plus your recipe developing, plus your life. It's very difficult. But yeah, so since then, I stayed in television. I do a lot of like local kind of lifestyle segments. And before COVID, I was traveling the country doing those. And then I also do a lot of like digital ads and things like that, that I just do from studios, you know, all over the place, mainly in the New York, New Jersey area. So I've just stayed in in communications. And then I also got a full-time job marketing. (laughs) You're just all over the place. (laughs) Well, it all, but it all links back to like, can you present your story in a clear, concise way, right? Whether I'm doing it on the camera, behind the camera, on website copy, it's all the same. Yes, I totally agree. And it makes sense. I feel like so many people that come from the entertainment world just thrive on social media because we're so used to presenting ourselves. Yeah, I think in many ways that's that's definitely true. In some ways, though, it held me back in the beginning because, and again, like the TikTok community has been amazing and how they welcomed like all types of content. But in the beginning, I was like, well, I'm a QVC host. Like I was like, I don't know what to post. You know, people would ask me, oh, post about your makeup or post about how you styled this or styled that. And I was like, okay, but I wanted to do something more substantial for me just because I had that science background and, you know, I'm very techie like that. My brain thinks that way. And I also felt 
there's so many people who are doing styling videos and makeup videos and things that are a thousand times better than me that I was like, I wasn't passionate about it, you know? Yeah. And I think it's interesting with TikTok because we see kind of almost a disconnect between some people's brand on other platforms versus TikTok. Mm -hmm. And some people fall into the conundrum that TikTok wants them to create this one type of content. It performs really well, but then they don't actually like creating it. So sometimes there's kind of a disconnect and you have to figure out, you know, what area you actually want to create content in. And sometimes that means taking a hit on your views for a while until you can build up and have that popularity in that niche. Yeah, I agree. And I think my, you know, my Instagram was very, from my jobs in the past, that's, it was very driven there and that audience was there. My TikTok was different. So it allowed me to experiment in ways that I wouldn't have done on Instagram, not to mention that, you know, Instagram doesn't reward you and like now they do with reels, but before, yeah, yeah, before they like, didn't like, you could post whatever you want. It doesn't matter. No one's going to see it. But you know, TikTok allowed me to kind of find my voice in that way. And then now I've, you know, combined it with Instagram, but before it was very disjointed. Last time we talked, you were saying that for a lot of jobs, they look at your Instagram to see Mm -hmm. how many followers you have and how has TikTok kind of helped your following on Instagram? So at first it was kind of trickling in, you know, maybe a couple people there, maybe a hundred people in a month, nothing major. But then So one of my most viral, actually, it's not my most viral video, but it's up there. It's top 10 was talking about how to use the Socratic method to combat microaggressions. And it's something that was inspired by my everyday life. It was like a conversation I was having with my mom that I was very annoyed with. And I was venting to my aunt and she's a social worker. So she was like, well, why don't you try this? And then I started doing research and put out a video because I was like, I can't be the only one who's struggling with these conversations. And that video got picked up by BuzzFeed. There's some other publications, one international, another one that's, I don't know if I'm allowed to say because they haven't posted it yet, but they're like twice as big as BuzzFeed. So it got picked up by a couple outlets. And when BuzzFeed posted it, they started on their Facebook accounts of like BuzzFeed videos. Then they posted it on their main, then they posted it on their Instagram. Then they posted it on their Pero Like account, which is like the Latin, you know, millennial kind of account. And from that, I ended up getting, I want to say about like 15,000 followers in two weeks. That's worth the wait. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, that's great. And as a result, I, you know, the television jobs are a little different, but now you have that kind of swipe up to shop function, right? You unlock certain functions when you hit a certain number of followers and then you, they put you in that category of like micro influencer or whatever, but then In addition to that, now the Instagram algorithm is like, whoa, this account's getting a lot of action. What's going on? Let's push it out on the Discover page. And, you know, so it kind of like was a combination of things, but it definitely helped. And, you know, now when I apply to different types of jobs, again, they're all freelance, but I'll say like, I can create content like this or this. And they look at that for sure. They look at it. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. It does take, I think, a little bit of time for people to see their Instagram accounts growing, but Mm -hmm. I really think that traffic from TikTok has been a huge factor in Instagram growth for a lot of creators. I agree. I also, I realized that some of the people on Instagram, I would say a little under 50% is like international. And so some of them reached out to me and were like, hey, post more of your TikTok content on 
Instagram, because we no longer have TikTok in our country, like India, for example, is 5% of my following. So I was like, oh, that's a good point. You know, I kind of tend to keep them apart, but let me not completely apart. There's some that I'll cross over because I'll think, okay, I think this will perform well on Instagram too. But because Instagram, like I know people there in real life, you know, I tend to be a little shy about what I post in one versus TikTok is fair game. I will post That's anything. what we're totally seeing though. Like yep. people don't want to post because TikTok still has a sense of like being anonymous and your profile mm-hmm. is connected to your entire life and all of your friends and family. Then mm-hmm. people are more willing to go, you know, get, put themselves out there. But with Instagram, it kind of like holds people back. Yeah, a little bit. But when I shared that, like with the audience, like my followers and stuff like that on Instagram, you know, people reached out saying, well, we don't have the account here or, oh, don't be afraid. Cause like, we love your content, whatever. And then I was like, okay, I'll do more of it, you know, but now it's a little bit challenging because, you know, you want to use the reels algorithm, but that's limited to 15 seconds. And because my videos talk about like data and philosophers and whatever, I'm like, I need a little more than 15 seconds. Give me 30. Oh my gosh. I'm struggling too. Hmm. It's so short and you can't overlay music underneath your song or underneath your, there's a couple issues. You can't change the volume of the music. So if you want to put a back Mm -hmm. track, well, I can't even talk. If you want to put a song in the background. Voiceover. Yeah. You can't do a voiceover. It's impossible. And then second of all, if you don't have music, so for example, on my business account, like my makeup business account, I, for some reason still don't have music. So I literally don't have access to music on reels. Like it's some kind of weird glitch where it's the music program is independent of reels. So if you don't have music for your stories, you also don't have access to music for reels. I didn't even know that was the thing that was happening. I'll tell you what I do for reels is I edit everything externally. Yeah. I'll bring it into TikTok and I'll use the TikTok trending songs, the ones that, you know, fit with the time of my video, but I end up editing like, because I have that footage that doesn't have the song, then I can put it on, like, I could take that same song, you know, download it from YouTube, create it my own way to post on reels basically. Yeah. Repurposing is key. And I'm so glad that I have been editing in Adobe Rush almost exclusively for the Mm -hmm. last, I mean, six months, I would say, because now I can actually go back on those raw files that I made of a TikTok that are maybe 30 to 59 seconds and Mm -hmm. edit them down for reels, which I actually did that today. I took a, you know, 20 second video and made it a 15 second video to post on Instagram. Then it's a little bit different content. You know, it's not the exact same video and I'm repurposing something from five months ago that really isn't circulating on TikTok anymore. And now my audience on Instagram is getting to see it kind of for the first time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I've been doing the same thing. I use Adobe as well. Not Rush. I use Premiere like similar. I think I don't use half the features that Premiere use uses. the phone one? Cause Premiere Rush, no. there's Premiere Rush and then there's Premiere. So you use like the big boy one. Yeah. That yeah. one I haven't tackled yet. It's a because, lot more complicated. Yeah. Because of that television background. And I did end up, I was eventually once I got into television, I did go for a master's in journalism. I didn't finish it because then I got the QVC job and now I am finishing it. But anyhow, so in those kinds of programs, they teach you how to shoot and light and edit, you know, to some extent, not professionally. I can't make a movie. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely a learning curve, too, with just learning how to edit and how to film and all that jazz. At least it was for that, me. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's something else that TikTok has actually inspired me to want to do more, because I don't know if you've ever seen the videos where... um you know, the person's holding a mirror and in the mirror, they're doing something completely different than what they're doing in their main video, or they start like splicing in different, Yes, I know you know, their self, they put themselves in the video in a bunch of different ways. And that's all done with like green screen or whatever you could do that in premiere. So I want to play with that a bit more, but I haven't had the chance because it's a lot of work creating content. It's a lot of work. And I put a ton of research into my videos too. Yeah, we're seeing that, you know, a lot of creators are getting a lot more out of their content now because like you said, I mean, it is a lot of work. So we want to be able to reuse that content. So I do think Mm -hmm. Reels is valuable in that sense. I mean, the algorithm is actually turning out to be pretty decent though, in my opinion. I mean, some of my Reels have definitely gotten more views than my in-feed content in a while. I think, uh, yes, mine are getting more views than the in-feed, but both are performing well. Now, if you compare it to TikTok, it's completely different. Like I had one video, yeah. yeah, I had one video. So I have, you know, like my communication videos and all of that, but I also have mom friend and mom friend is more about, so she's a character that actually the TikTok community created. And then I just like ran with it. But so mom friend tells you more about you know, how to, what to do when you forget someone's name and you see them somewhere, you know, little tips like that, that are more everyday life that are more about like being proper and prim and having etiquette. It's more etiquette based. And so I did one on how to do a formal place setting at a table. And on TikTok, it got close to a million views on Instagram. It's at 140,000 views, almost the same video. It was a little bit longer on TikTok by like five seconds. So it's, you know, it's a big difference. Same video, but very different engagement with it. It's just been interesting to see it kind of evolve over the last Mm -hmm. couple of weeks. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from here even. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I do think that TikTok is here to stay though. I don't think it's going to be replaced personally. I totally agree. I think with TikTok, there's so much more of a culture there. Like you said, like Mm -hmm. TikTok created your mom character, you know, TikTok creates this sense of community, the duet feature reactions, Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, it's just its own thing. And people don't get it until they're on it. And people don't realize that most of the content they're seeing, like you said, your content was used on Buzzfeed. I mean, all of these right. media outlets are really using content from TikTok creators. Oh yeah. They're like living on Wait, it. Wait, let's talk really quick. Cause I don't think we ever mentioned how long have you been on TikTok for actually like intentionally creating content, trying to grow? So intentionally, I would say maybe two months, but I think I joined sometime back in February, but I was really just consuming at that time. I put out a couple little videos that were like dumb, whatever, like, you know, I danced with my nieces in one or like my dog was running around in the other, you know, just like, or I don't know if you remember that trend, the finish the lyric, you know, I loved that trend. So my gosh, (laughs) I had to like think back in my file folder of a brain. (laughs) Yeah. So I would post little things like that, but I wasn't, I hadn't found my own voice. I was just posting the way you post on like an Instagram story or something. It's like, yeah, this is what I feel like talking about right now and no one's going to see it. So it really doesn't matter. What I did notice early on though, was that if I pretended to be a little dumb, (laughs) I hate to say it that way, but like if I pretended to not know how something worked, that would get a ton of views and the comments would just like 
just go crazy. And so one of my videos that went like the most viral was like that. It's like at four and a half million views. And it was just me being like, what is this? And I was pretending to not know how to like plug in a telephone cable, (laughs) which I wasn't really pretending. I was making a comment as to like, why do houses still have this? Because nobody has landlines anymore. It was more like commentary. Oh no, that's hilarious. I think that's funny. So it was funny. Some people got it, but some people didn't. Some people were like, how does she not know what a landline is? And I'm like, well, I'm not correcting this. (laughs) Any comments or, I mean, I kind of did the same thing also. This is kind of funny. So one of my actually clients saw this video and didn't realize it was me and like, didn't make the connection. But basically I did that apple juice trend. Do you remember that video? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. So I, I saw did, your video of that. So I pretended I got the glass ones. Cause I was like, Oh, I bought these apple juice things. Everyone's talking about. I bought the glass ones cause they look exactly like the plastic ones. And I was like, you guys mm-hmm. are lying. Like these do not work. <laughs> and I just thought it was funny. Like I thought it personally was funny. So I posted it and people still to this day comment on it and are like, you got the wrong ones. Like every comment is like, you got the wrong ones. You got the wrong ones. You need the plastic ones. Oh my gosh, this girl's so dumb. You need the plastic ones. And I'm like, I'm laughing all the way to the bank. Cause you guys got me like a million views on this video yeah. of me just being stupid. Cause I thought it was funny. And some of it's just commentary. And then you know, one of my earlier videos actually was about that. You know, when I first got on TikTok before the algorithm changed, there was a lot of videos of like, oh, help me pay my rent by getting a bunch of likes or, you know, my boss said they'd hire me or whatever if I do this. And I called all those videos out. I was like, all of this is a lie. Or the ones where they would confront their, the friend who was cheating with the boyfriend or something like that on camera. I'm like, this is like so fake. So all staged. It's all staged. So I did a video about that. It didn't go like super viral or anything, but people were still like, Ooh, you are calling us out. I was like, yes, because it's a lie. And so, you know, a lot of those videos, if I see one person with the glass, you know, apple juice container, I'm like, okay, that's not a thing. But when you see a lot of people doing it, it's more of a trend than like an actual real story. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because I've talked about that on here. I think when I interviewed Alex Stimpleski, who does the, I found a stranger on the beach and I took pictures of her. You know who I'm talking about? He does those like viral photography. Okay, Mm -hmm. so when I interviewed him, I went into it thinking that they were probably staged. That was just like my jaded TikTok mind. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, well, these are like people he knows. It's not just random strangers, but it was just random strangers. So it blows my mind. Like when you do find those creators that are actually being like really authentic, but it shows because he has like 7 million something, probably more than that now followers. Yeah. As far as like building a business and a personal brand on social media, have you had the opportunity to do any sponsored content or work with any brands yet? So I've been asked several times and I've turned it down because I just didn't feel like I was there yet. You know, I was like, I'm still early in my growth stages. And unless it was the perfect collaboration, you know, unless it was this person just released a book on the exact topic that I've been talking about for five months, then that's different because it's super, super related. But I've had people reach out that are, you know, just like consumer brands. And I was like, I don't really post about that yet. So I've kind of just stayed away from it for now because... I just thought it was too early and I didn't want to dilute. I don't know. 
100%. That's a super great okay. point for anyone that's listening that, you know, wants to be doing brand deals. I even experienced this early on in my career as a creator back in 2015 and 2016. My audience wasn't there yet. So I would do like these affiliate deals and get absolutely no payoff for the content I was creating because my audience, it really didn't line up with them completely. It wasn't an authentic mm -hmm. collab. So I always like talking about, you know, we will get anyone who's not we, but anyone creating content will get bombarded at some point with brand opportunities. I mean, we see it on Instagram when you get those comments mm -hmm. that are like, Hey babe, love this video. DM so-and-so for a collab. Oh my gosh. And you're like, so you want me to just post an affiliate link? That's what you want. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there has to be a super authentic connection between the brands and the creator for it to actually pay off really well. I agree. I think the only time that I'll, you know, die go away from my main content a little bit is like in my Instagram stories In my Instagram stories, you'll see my dog, you'll see me like making coffee in the morning, you know, it's very different, but that's because it's, it's just a story, you know, it's not content that's living on my feed and I'm not collaborating with anyone. So yeah, I've, for now I've stayed away from it, but we'll see. I mean, maybe that'll change like in a year. <laughs> Yeah. And those opportunities, they, when they come up and they're really in line with what you're creating, it is super profitable and amazing, but I definitely agree. Like, I don't think anyone should be taking every brand deal that comes their way. No. And there's some that I actually thought were really cool. Like for example, there was this guy who created this kind of water filter thing and you know, having been an environmental scientist, I was like, Oh, this is really cool. And me on a personal level, I like it but I've never posted anything about my environmental science career or any sustainability tips or anything. So I'm like, it's not in line with my content, but me personally, I enjoy this product, but like, I can't help you. See, and then that comes into the factor that doesn't, that sentence made zero sense. That <laughs> brings up a really good point that, you know, in different areas of your social media, there can be different products or different endorsements that can perform better in some places. So, you know, just looking at your content, I would say something like that would be really great for Instagram stories. Like you said, cause it's not mm -hmm. going to live on your feed forever and ever. And you can be like, Hey guys, this is really cool, blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, for in feed stuff, that's not going to perform as well in feed cause it's not in your niche. Exactly. Exactly. And I think a lot of these brands you know, they don't understand that they want 10 feed posts and 10, what I, you know, and it's like, Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> There's this one brand that's been approaching TikTok creators. It's a water bottle brand. And I'm going to be really vague because I'm still chatting with them, but mm -hmm. they want you to do like 20 posts for a flat rate and then get commission, like affiliate mm -hmm. money, which would be like a great deal if they didn't want so many videos. It's like, okay, I would do that for one video. Like the rate they're wanting to pay for like 10 to 20 videos is just not in line with like how I value my time. But the mm -hmm. thing is creators take it. So then that like lowers the, you know, value for other creators. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think also having been in the industry a little bit from a different side, you know, not from a social media, like influencer side, but just from television, digital ads, whatever, and what people pay for my time in that regard. And I also know the damage that it does to an entire industry when you undercut your labor. Right. So I just, oh, won't, yeah. I won't do it, but like voiceover work has experienced that a lot. People used to get paid thousands of dollars for voiceover work. And now because of like these online marketplaces where you could pay someone 30 bucks to, you know, 
read a couple sentences for you, it's undercut the market and it's in some ways really, really hurt the, the voiceover industry unless it's a union job. So like, I would, you know, I've like always been so intrigued by the voiceover industry too. <laughs> well, I have a lot of friends in the business. It's actually really cool what they can do. I can't do it. I can't do it at all. I wish I could because a couple of comments that I've gotten is that my voice sounds like Fran the nanny. I don't know. I don't think so. I could see that, but you don't have the accent. Don't you need like the really strong <laughs> accent? Doesn't she have like a New York accent or something? She does. Yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> I have gotten a little bit about like my accent. I was like, oh, well, if I could change it, I, I guess that'd be cool. But also, I guess that's recognizable in some way. I'm not sure. Yeah. So, okay. As far as planning content goes, so how did you get TikTok content creation to kind of fit into your life? Because you didn't come from being, you know, a full-time influencer. Mm-mm. No, I, I mean, I was just kind of creating to experiment, I'd say in the beginning. And then as I noticed things start to pick up here and there, especially, so there was the before the algorithm changed and after the algorithm changed, right? Before it changed, you could kind of just post whatever and it kind of did well. After the algorithm changed, it became more pointed. Like your content had to be more in line with whatever niche TikTok has determined that you're in, but I noticed there was bigger conversion in a following. So for example, that the video that I mentioned where it was with the phone line thing where I was just pretending to be dumb about phone lines, that one got like four and a half million views. But in terms of followers from that, it was maybe, it's hard to remember exactly, but let's say 30,000. Now my Socratic method video that is at, I think over 2 million views, but still we're talking about half of the phone line view. That one got 20,000 followers in 24 hours. So I love that. I love when you find conversion. videos that just like really, really grow your account overnight. Huge conversion off of that one account. And so, but of course, it's not just that one video because when I determine if I want to follow somebody, I go to their account and I see like, okay, yeah, I like that video, but are they posting other things that are similar? Yes. Okay. I'm so glad you said that because I talk about this with my clients all the time. I think sometimes people get really discouraged because they're like posting and posting and posting and nothing's taking off and they're just getting, you know, an average number of views. And then it takes that one video to blow up. And if you don't have the content to back it up, then Mm -hmm. people aren't going to follow you. That's why we used to see these brand new accounts go viral in their first like two or three videos, but they would not gain a ton of followers because Mm -hmm. people, I mean, I'm not going to follow a brand new account unless I know that account is going to be creating that specific type of content. So a good example would be like the girl that's trading the bobby pin for a house. If you guys have seen that. I have Um, not seen that. So her first video got like millions of views on it, but that's because she was starting a journey and she was telling people exactly what she was doing and what to expect on her page and why to follow her. And that account, I think, blew up to a million super, super fast. But that was because people wanted to follow along on the journey. So that would be like the difference between, like you said, like a new account or checking to see if people are creating that type of content or Mm -hmm. like a one and done thing. Right. And so to try to capitalize on that video going viral, I immediately posted two videos that were similar content, how to tell if someone's lying, you know, how to whatever, like I forgot exactly what the videos were. But so that way, when people went to the page, you know, I don't think they're scrolling your whole feed. I think they're looking at the first couple things you post. If you post three to five things that are similar within a time frame, you know, not that it's too spread out on your feed, they'll follow. And so I did that 
so that, you know, if people liked that kind of content, they came to my page, they saw I had other similar videos. And I noticed the videos that I posted immediately after that Socratic method video also got a ton of views. It wasn't millions, but it also performed really well. And I think it's because people came to my feed, saw that video and then scrolled to my next video and it increased the views. I assume, you know, it's all experimentation. I don't know for sure, but that's my guess. I just find that a lot of my videos, the ones that, that I don't think are going to do well, do great. And then the ones I think are going to do well do terrible. That's literally, I can't even tell you how many times I've heard creators say that. And that is across the board, big creators and small creators. So that's why it's important to just create and then see how it goes from there. Exactly. And, you know, I do like to diversify a little bit too. Like I'll post my like philosophy, psychology, kind of first aid communication skills, like all on my page. But sometimes I'll just throw in a trend because why not? Like I'm a person too, you know, and I, I like that stuff too. And I know it's not going to do well. I know my skits do not do well, but I do them anyways. Cause I like it. Exactly. And I encourage people, even if stuff doesn't do well, leave it up because just cause it doesn't get, you know, viral view count in a couple hours doesn't mean that eventually that video won't get picked up. And also they grow with time too. Mm-hmm. I have noticed that videos growing with time that at first I'm like, oh, these stink, you know, and then it ends up doing well. But then the other thing I remember to just try to like ground myself is, yeah, I've had videos that are getting like millions of views and maybe there's some that get 5,000 views and in your mind, you're like, well, that stinks. But then I think of how many creators don't get that. And I'm like, no, that doesn't stink then. Like that's still people who are engaged with my account, you know? And that's so like 5,000 more than zero. And that's a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, when I first started, my videos got like 55 views. So, you know, I try not to become spoiled (laughs) with the views and just like appreciate all of it. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Mm -hmm. So two questions I have for you that I like to ask everyone on the podcast. So what advice would you give someone that wants to be doing what you're doing right now? I mean, I think the biggest lesson I've learned and coming from, you know, being on Instagram before and then kind of transitioning to TikTok is just not to be afraid to post whatever you want. If you like it, it doesn't matter if it's ridiculous. It doesn't matter if you look like you just rolled out of bed or you sound like, you know, you just burnt your tongue or whatever. You just post it and people are going to engage with it. But the one thing I would say just as a caveat is like, to make sure your lighting is good. You know, you could have a great video, but if it's like poorly lit, it kind of cheapens it. Yes. And so I like post whatever you want, but make sure you have good lighting. <laughs> post whatever you want, but make sure it doesn't suck. And then you're good. <laughs> yeah. Just make sure because, you know, there's some videos that I've seen that are like fantastic, but don't go viral. And the person's like, why is it not doing well? And the comment sections were all like, well, you're lighting. Like it's really, really dark. It's hard to see what's going on. And also just from like favors well-lit videos too. That makes sense. And from a brain perspective, like if I'm scrolling through my feed and I see dark videos, it's kind of like, I mean, when you see dark things, you want to go to bed, right? Like it's bedtime as opposed to like bright videos that are like in daylight, it kind of wakes you up. And so I don't know the like neuroscience behind that, but I'm going to bet that there's a little bit of that play too. And it probably takes more effort for your brain to like decipher dark videos versus like something that's brightly lit and really clean looking. It's not overwhelming. It's easy to like consume. A hundred percent. I think that's why like if you go to a website and you go to a website that has like a black background, it's horrible to read. It's like HTML, like in the nineties, you know, like that reminds me of like MySpace. 
<laughs> I used to do the little, like, the little coding, the little dolls on, oh, on the website. Oh, wow, that brings me way back. <laughs> yeah, so, like, don't make it look like that. Don't make it look like MySpace. <laughs> we're, we're past that. We started from the bottom, and now we're here. <laughs> we're grown up. We're grown up. <laughs> we're grown ups. Okay, so what would you go back and do different, knowing what you know now about TikTok, going back and like starting from day one? I think I would post more frequently. You know, one thing that happens again when you start is that you don't know what your niche is and you you're still kind of figuring it out. And like I was just kind of posting at random and two weeks would go by and maybe I would do a post. But there is something to keeping it consistent and you know. Sometimes you need a break. I've taken breaks from posting every single day because I'm like, I just need a personal day today and my mental health is important too. And I'm feeling, you know, stressed or whatever, haven't slept much, but I would just be way more consistent with my posting if I had to start over. Yeah. I think the consistency thing, I think overwhelms people at first because it's, I mean, remember on Instagram when you had to post every day, it was kind of overwhelming. Well, see, I never did that. (laughs) Oh God. Well, you're lucky then. On Instagram, and I'll say, actually, another thing that I would do over if I could is when I started on TikTok, I wouldn't be as afraid to cross-post some of that content on Instagram. I wasn't doing it at all. I was keeping it completely separate until people started asking me to do it. But so basically, I had abandoned Instagram altogether. I just didn't post for months. I was just like, I'm not, I don't like this platform. I'm over it. I'm a TikToker now. Like, I'm done. And then when people started crossing over, I was like, oh, all right, I guess, like, I guess I'll be here too. <laughs> and so now I like them both. But that, that, if I could do it over, that would be another thing that I would do is I, I would try to not be afraid of posting some of that content to Instagram because it's not, it's not like I'm doing anything really embarrassing. It's just, you know, it's. I don't know why I was hesitant. It's just I have different. no idea. It's because it's the the content style like was not in line with what was on Instagram. And I think that's why I felt like, oh, it would be stupid for me to post this like Dollar Tree hack video on Instagram because no one cares there. But people care on TikTok. Like I felt the same way, but now I'm starting to do the same and integrate stuff more. Right. I always expected that TikTok would be like the place where you keep all your fun videos and Instagram is a place where you take a nice picture. And it's kind of like, and even with the creators, you know, you look at like Jason Derulo or Addison Ray, right? Addison's Ray TikTok is all like dancing, whatever, but you look at her Instagram and it's just pictures. So, you know, I was like, okay, well, this is clearly the format then. I thought that was the formula, but for me, for her, it works. For me, it doesn't. Yeah. And that line is totally getting blurred now with the introduction of reels. I just can't, I mean, like we were talking about the culture of the app is just so different. I can't foresee going on Instagram and watching like 16 year olds dance. Like it just, it doesn't seem native to Instagram, but when I see like a dancing video on TikTok, it's TikTok where people dance. It's also really hard to just find those videos, you know, like you can go to your reels feed and start scrolling, but there's no way of predicting what's coming next, you know? It's just like all over the place. Do you think that there's an algorithm with reels like there is on TikTok or you think it's more sporadic? There's definitely an algorithm, but it's not like TikTok. Yeah, I feel the same. It's very forgiving. I get a lot of like skating videos, like people doing the quad skates. 
I guess because I follow like two of the TikTok creators who do the quad skating like tricks and stuff like gypsy, whatever. And there's another girl from like Germany that I follow. And so I guess because I followed those two people, my entire reels is like it's quad so skating. Interesting. It'll be interesting to see how reels evolves. Like we've been talking about, I'm just pretty early in the stages. It's done well for me, but I haven't even been on TikTok a year. I haven't been creating this content for more than like two months, you know? So it's still like to, I don't want to jump the gun. I think it's so cool though, that, you know, I'm even having interviews with people that have only been creating content for, you know, less than a year, you know, with YouTube, people had to be content creators for years to grow. So we're seeing fast growth, which is cool. Cause it's launching people into kind of these new career paths within their industry. Exactly. And I, you know, I get to do what I like, like, all the stuff that I did before in television, the shopping and all of that, I love that because I'm a girl and like, I like to shop. <laughs> That's no secret. But, you know, I have an education and like, I worked hard for that education. And I want to do things that like help elevate people in that regard. I mean, I love the shopping. And like I said, I do it all the time. But there's other interests that I have that are very have more depth to them than the shopping side of me. And so I'm glad that I'm able to share that. Definitely. Okay. So yeah. I like to do a speed round with everyone at the end and it's just like word association, like your favorite things. Super easy. So are you ready? Ooh, I'm actually really bad at these games. It's okay. <laughs> I'll edit it and make you sound super speedy. <laughs> okay. Let's try. Okay. What is your favorite trend on TikTok right now? Ooh, I actually really like the hurt my feelings trend. I know that one's kind of like dying now, but I like that one. I like hearing people's stories of you know, why they're as strong as they are. Of trauma, childhood trauma, essentially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like I have so many and I like can't post them because they're way too dark. I'm like, this would not be funny. People would, <laughs> this is not an LOL situation. I don't want people to feel bad for me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> okay. Who's your favorite TikTok creator to follow? Ooh, I really like the real Adam Rose. I don't know. I've liked him from the beginning. I love him. <laughs> He's funny. His little blue cardigan. We stan Adam Rose. <laughs> what is your favorite TV show? Oh, like anything Bravo, Housewife. First of all, it's the only TV I watch. I don't watch TV. I wouldn't even have cable if it weren't for Bravo. So fun fact, when I did Miss Earth, United States in like 2017 or 18, they were filming Real Housewives of the Potomac at the competition <gasps> because one of the girls on it was like a pageant coach, I guess, and she was coaching someone in the competition. So I had to sign a waiver to be on Bravo and I never saw the episode. I need to go back and see it to see if I can get some IMDb credit up in there. Yeah, I've seen every single episode of Potomac. I don't remember that one. I don't even remember which housewife that... I wonder if it was, like, Giselle. She was, she was, like, the small black lady with, like, long hair. Shorter. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, there was Cherise. There's, like, a couple... Oh, maybe it's the one who... Oh! I think she was, like, a guest. Like, she wasn't normally on the show. Maybe Ashley, because she was a former pageant queen. So it might that have been might be her. her. And she's that really petite right. and cute with, like... Anyways, it could have been her. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, I'm probably going to cut that out, but just fun <laughs> yeah. fact. I have never watched that, like, version, but I'm like, oh, I guess I might be in the background somewhere. I need to go look. <laughs> you could be. Okay, what is your favorite podcast to listen to? Oh, actually, you're the only podcast I listen to. <gasps> really? <laughs> I'm not a big, like, podcaster, and I mean, I used to be when I would, okay, so when I would take the subway to work, 
or to school or whatever, you know, I was on the train for like 15 minutes. And so I would listen to a podcast because there was nothing else to do. And it was always like the news, like, you know, NPR, whatever. But working from home and not having that commute, I don't really like listen to podcasts. But the one thing that is very interesting to me is TikTok (laughs) because it's very new and exciting. And so I only listen to TikTok radio. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Guys, I didn't pay her to say that. No, she. (laughs) it's true though. Shameless plug. Okay. And then what is your biggest, or who is your biggest influence on social media? So it doesn't have to be a TikTok creator. It could be a YouTuber or a Facebook personality, but who do you get the most inspiration from online? I would say, I don't even know. I think actually she might be on TikTok now, but there's um this creator, Jenny, but she's like in the Latin, like millennial community. But anyway, she started with, I think it was Pero Like is where she started. She started doing these like skits where she would you know pretend to be a spanish grandma and it's all like incredibly relatable and she was one of the first people did she do one with like alexa like where she was like it was like instead of alexa it's like abuelo and it like yells at you i don't know if she changed the name of alexa but i know she's done one where it's like you know, grandma trying to talk to Alexa and how bad it is. And whatever. But she's from Miami and I'm from Miami. And she started, like I said, I think it was like YouTube or whatever. It was, I mean, BuzzFeed was still pretty small, I think, when she started or they hadn't bought them out yet, whatever it was. Anyway, so this girl, Jenny, she does all these Latin millennial skits and she's been doing them for a long time. And it kind of gave me the okay to do crazy stuff like that too even though with my own content, like I said, it doesn't perform as well, (laughs) but it just gave me the okay to be ridiculous on social media. I think she was one of the first people I saw act that way. Yeah. I feel like we all have to like find someone that makes it feel okay to be weird on the internet. Right. Cause we're all weird. We're all quirky. I mean, I think I know I am same. And so, yeah, like it's just, it's nice to not have to pretend that everything's perfect and that, you know, you're like this perfectly well put together person. Although my mom friend's character is kind of that. She's kind of like perfectly put together. But when she turns around, you'll notice like her button is undressed, her dress is unbuttoned and, you know, you'll notice quirky (laughs) things about her. But from the front, she's perfect. (laughs) I love that. I love when people have these like personalities that they create for TikTok. It's like the best, like it's like an alternate universe. Well, and it gives me freedom to talk about other things that I like, because like I said, I like to entertain, you know, I like shopping and things like that. I like putting together a formal table. Like my friends, I would say growing up, but like really not that long ago, like for the past 10 years, they've called me like mini Martha because, you know, when you come to my house for a dinner party, there's little mini appetizers and I have like, it's a full on event. And I've served seven course meals to people at dinner parties. Like I'm really, really into it. But my other content wasn't about that, right? It was about like communication and whatever. And so when the TikTok community created mom friends for me, I was like, oh, but this is also a perfect outlet for me to talk about this other stuff that I like because mom knows how to set the table and mom knows what to do when you get a stain in your shirt or whatever, you know, like mom knows all this stuff. And it was also to my personality. Like, you know, they created it because I did a video and they were like, oh, you're definitely the mom friend of the group. And I was like, you're right. I didn't even know that was a thing. You're right. (laughs) I love that because that's a perfect example of like letting TikTok TikTok help you develop your content. Really? Mm -hmm. And no one's really doing it. Like when people talk about a mom friend, they think of the friend in the group who's a biological mom. 
I'm not a mom. I don't have kids, but you know, I'm the one who always has like snacks in my bag and like an extra band aid or like a hair tie. Like I'm, so that makes me mom friend. And so I'm kind of like owning that space. And I'm even doing like mom friend starter pack, like giveaways, like putting that together just because I realized that there's other people like me when I've posted videos like that, like they're like, Oh, this is me in the group, you know, that kind of stuff. And I kind of want to give them the okay to be that person. (laughs) Yes. And the relatable factor is like so important. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Kathy, for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. As I said, you're like the only podcast I listen to. So I'm like, great. This is a great podcast to be on. And you're the perfect example of like picking a goal and going for it. Cause we did a coaching call and then she was like, Hey, how about you interview me for your podcast? And I was like, okay, that sounds like a great idea. So if you guys want to be on the podcast, just send me an email. Well, I thought, yeah, when we did that call, I think I was like around 40,000 followers at that yeah, time. Yeah, you were and like it, so growing too. And it wasn't that long ago. It was like no, two it months wasn't. ago. It was now recent. I'm, right. And now I'm at over 100,000. And when the BuzzFeed thing happens, I was like, you know what? This seems like a good story for Victoria's podcast. And it is. I mean, it's a perfect example of that it's you know, it isn't overnight, but it can happen quickly if you're consistent and intentional about the content you're creating, which I could tell you were just reaching out and doing a coaching call and being serious about like making it happen. Right. I was still, and I still need to do more of those calls because, you know, it's nice to have like an outsider opinion and it, it's hard. It's hard to do it all by yourself and to be the marketer and the creator and the editor. And like, sometimes when you're too close to the content, what you're creating, yeah. You don't have a good eye on it, right? And, and so that's it's nice one to have a second. With me and mm-hmm. Matt, because my husband's also a content creator, like I always say to my clients, you know, we check each other's captions. We check each other's hashtags. We let each other watch our own videos before we post them and say, oh, you can make the end a little shorter. Or like, oh, that was a little awkward. So having that in someone helping you create content, I think is the most valuable part. It's not so much about like hacking the algorithm or whatever. Like some marketers are, you know, showing people how to go viral, but sometimes it's just like having someone to read your caption and help you, you know, tweak little things that really make a big difference. Yeah. Having a second set of eyes is really important. I don't have that. My, my husband would like to stay as far away from anything on camera as possible. He will like, I will show him the videos, but you know, the other thing is because I'm actually a little bit sensitive about my content. And like I said, the community has been really, really welcoming. So I haven't been like, I haven't received a lot of hate in any way that I know of. Maybe I just didn't see the (laughs) comments, but I am a little bit sensitive about my content. And so I get scared to show it to him sometimes because like, I'm like, I know him. He lives with me. I don't know. Like, I'm afraid of like like, If they don't get it, like they can give you bad advice too. I will say. Yeah. Well, there's definitely that too, because he's not even on social or anything like that. But there's just, there's something about, You know, like if you write a poem and you publish it in a book, that's one thing. But to read that poem to somebody is like a way more vulnerable place to be in. And I'm like that with all of my creations, like even cooking. I'm the same way with cooking too. I cook all the time for myself. But if I'm making somebody dinner, like them taking that first bite gives me so much anxiety because I don't know how they're going to receive it. And I care about them, right? So I care about their opinions. And so it's hard to show my work to people that I know in real life, but 
obviously, like, like I said, like the TikTok community and Instagram and everybody has, Instagram's actually a little more harsh, but TikTok has oh, been yeah. great. <laughs> no, so, and that's like, it, that brings it back to exactly what we were talking about, how with TikTok, people still feel like they have that sense of anonymity yeah. where, you know, it's not their sister and their mom watching their videos. Right. Exactly. Oh, I love when mom has opinions. Oh, you should post about this. I'm like, thanks mom. I know what I'm posting. Thank you. My mom like wants to be an influencer now though. So she has me like film her recipes and it's so adorable and cute. I actually really like, I don't know if your feed has a lot of this, but I get a lot of like grandmas and stuff. Oh my gosh. Me too. (laughs) They're so cute. Have you seen the video of the grandma reacting to WAP? I don't know if I, I'm not sure. Maybe. It's really funny. She, you'll probably see it. I don't know grandma's it. names. And I, I follow either. grandmas everywhere. Like I follow grandmas from Japan. I get a lot of Japanese stuff on my feed now too. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm on the Japan side of TikTok. I love that. Well, thank you so much again for joining me today. Why don't you let our listeners know where they can find you online? Oh yeah. Good idea. So my handle is the same on all the platforms, but obviously TikTok and Instagram is what we've been talking about a lot today. So that is Kathy Pedrias, and it's Kathy with a C. If you type in Kathy, I'm like the only one that pops up. That's always good. <laughs> I mean, there's other Kathys, but none of them are like active. But you're like the most popular Kathy. Right. So I end up going to the top of the feed. Yes. We love I wish I had a cool handle like you though, like just my name. But okay. Actually I found it's kind of like confusing to people when I'm like, it's just Victoria. They're like, Victoria who? There's a lot of Victorias. And I'm like, no, it's just Victoria. Like (laughs) it's just my name, like at Victoria. And they're like, yeah, but like Victoria, what Victoria? And I'm like, no, just trust me. I mean, they must think that you like paid someone to get that name, but that's what happens when you get all the time, all the time. How much did you pay for that? I'm like, I didn't. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. If you get on early, you get to do that. If I had taken Kathy when I was on Musical.ly, I probably would have gotten it because I was on early. I just wasn't using it. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst. All right. Well, (laughs) and on that note, thanks for listening, guys, and be sure to tune in next week for another interview with a viral creator or tip for how to grow on TikTok. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of TikTok Radio. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave us a review in the iTunes store and let us know what you liked about the episode. We'd love to hear from you. Catch you next week. Peace out, Girl Scout.